Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to the chatter. This is the first episode of the year 2023, episode 71. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O oh most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Happy New Year and Happy Feast of Epiphany. Yes, Epiphany's coming. It's been so long since we've done the chatter. I'm remembering how to do it. (laughs) I hope all of our listeners were patient with us as we replayed old episodes or the Miller Singers. Beautiful. Well, that was just gorgeous listening to them. It wasn't. We're working on a compact disc. I hope so. Actually, two of them, because... You can't get all of their songs on one disc. Okay, but Tom, I think you're showing your age when you say we're working on a compact disc. How do you mean? Isn't everything a podcast or a or um, a YouTube or it's kind of like saying we're working on an eight track cassette? You want one of them? <laughs> I have some of those. <laughs> I have some of those LP. LPs are coming back. I've got those. It, my children are, are, Dad, you don't need that turntable. Yes, I do need that turntable. So I've I had several. Now I'm only down to one or two of yeah, them. Yeah, it's right here. This is one of the ones we have. You get a really nice sound from an LP and a turntable that you don't get yeah, through a, a computer. Yeah, it's got a rich, rich sound to it. Yeah, so anyway, so yeah, we should put something together with those Miller Singers. Just beautiful. Local talent, just beautiful. In the meantime, you can hear it on the mobile app, KCRD. Mm is mm-hmm. the key word. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to put in our request now. We're going to have to think now about what we want them to sing for um, Lent. Lent, at maybe Ash Wednesday, maybe for Easter. Um, well, I know one ahead. off the bat. What's that? The Sabant Mutter. Do I say Stabat that correctly? Mater. Mm-hmm. Sa- Sabant. Stabat. Stabant. Mater. Yep, Sorrowful Mother. And that's the one everybody knows. Yeah. There are some great, yes, that we should do that now. Lent comes end of February. Ash Wednesday is when? We are going, let's, I'm glad you asked. Well, you got all the dates coming up here. What do we got? This week is big. This week is big. But, you know, in the past, historically, people were read this announcement on the Feast of the Epiphany, which um, is January 6th, and this is airing on January 7th and 8th. And thirteenth, so right around the time. Yesterday, you should have heard this. Yeah, yesterday you should have heard this, or maybe you'll hear it this weekend at mass. And it is in the Magnificat if you get the Magnificat. But they used to announce the date of Easter, and then all those movable feasts that depend on the timing of Easter. They used to announce those dates on Epiphany. Go for it. So here, if you have your Magnificat, you can read along on page one hundred nine. But this is the announcement of Easter and the movable feasts. And it goes like this. Know, dear brethren, that as we have rejoiced at the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, so by leave of God's mercy, we announce to you also the joy of his resurrection, who is our Savior. Now, here we go. Mm -hmm. On the 22nd day of February will fall Ash Wednesday. Wow. And the beginning of the fast of the most sacred Lenten season. 
okay? February 22nd. On the ninth day of April, you will celebrate with joy Easter Day, the Paschal Feast of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Easter, April 9th. April 9th. On the 18th day of May will be the Ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, May 18th Ascension. Of course, if you live somewhere where they bump that to Sundays, then it would be the 21st day after, uh, 21st day of May. Then the next thing this announcement says is on the 28th day of May, the Feast of Pentecost. So all these feasts are contingent upon the date of Easter. On the 11th day of June, the Feast of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, which, you know, the church, I think, is focusing on the Eucharist, aren't they? Maybe something big will happen on June. Yes, yes. And then the final announcement in this um, litany of announcements is on the third day of December, the first Sunday of the Advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom is honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So Advent uh, this coming year will be uh, start on December 3rd. So it kind of lines everything up for you of what's, what big things happening when this year. So Ash Wednesday, February 22nd. And this is a an Epiphany tradition? Yes, it's tradition to announce these dates on the Feast of the Epiphany. And of course we know that Christmas is always the same, therefore Epiphany is always the same. But Easter always changes. And how do you know that? How, how does Easter get calculated? So the way they calculate Easter is Easter is the first Sunday mm-hmm. following the first full moon after the vernal equinox. Which is? So the vernal equinox is March 21st. So then you looked at March 21st, then you find when the first new full, full moon, moon. Or full moon, I think full moon, not new moon. Full moon. Full moon, yes. And then it's a Sunday after that. So that's why it changes every year. Easter is based on like Passover the lunar and, the, and based on the lunar calendar. So that's why it changes every year. So um, so it can never, Easter can never be before March 21st. Correct. Right. And it can never be after April 21st or 5th because then you'd have your next new moon. Yeah. So theory, using that formula, am I correct in saying, so if the first day of spring, which is the vernal equinox, is the 21st, and there were a full moon on the 22nd, mm-hmm. and the 23rd were a Sunday. Then that could be the that, earliest. That would be yep. the earliest. Mm-hmm. We should mm-hmm. go into um, Carl Sagan's closet and see if there's <laughs> ever been a 23rd of March Easter. So anyway, so that's um, typically read on the Feast of Epiphany. So now you all know when Ash Wednesday will start. It's February 22nd, and April will, or I'm sorry, Easter will be on April 9th. Um, so... And the other thing that typically people do on the Feast of the Epiphany is they mark their doors with the Epiphany blessing. I think we talked about this last year, didn't we? We did, we did. Let's refresh everybody's mind. So you have blessed salt, blessed blessed chalk. Blessed chalk. And if anybody wants to put the Epiphany blessing on their door and they don't have blessed chalk, you just call the station. We've got little packets. But the family gathers, and on the top of the door, you write this formula. You write the first two dates of the year, so 2-0, and then you have the plus sign. It's it's 20 plus C plus M plus B plus the last two years of days of the year, or the last two digits of the year, so 23. 23. 
2023. So this year on Epiphany, you'll be writing above your door 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 23. And there's a little prayer that you say, and it's basically asking God to bless all those who come in the door, all those who go out the door. It's to protect your home and all those who live there, um, a protection prayer too. So, and the C and the M and the B stand for the initials of the three wise men, traditionally Casper, Melchior, and Belfalzar. Traditionally, are their, we know as their names. So that's what it stands for. Um, I believe if you go to the cathedral and you walk in from the parking lot and you go through the, that way, they have something there that says those initials can also stand for Christus something benedict it means christ bless this house mm-hmm. um so i guess a couple different things you could think that the cmb stands for but the epiphany is a huge liturgical date that seems to have been less huge recently <laughs> it's <laughs> less huge that's for sure i think it used to be called little christmas it did yeah i mean in some areas that's when gifts were exchanged exactly because the magi brought gifts Exactly. So you can see that connection a little better than you can on, you know, the when the shepherds. I don't think the shepherds brought gifts, did they? Well, nothing to write home about. Yeah, maybe a couple <laughs> sheep or... <laughs> What's that smell? A drummer boy. <laughs> so um, the tradition of giving gifts, I, I can see easy coming from the Feast of the Epiphany. And, and plus, you know, the shepherds that were in that area were traditionally seen as Jewish shepherds. Um, and the Magi were not Jewish. So that is seen as, you know, the revelation to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles. Um, the Shepherds were people. probably Jewish. They, yeah. So those are the kind of the two groups of people. The Jews first and the shepherds and then the Gentiles second. So what do you make of the announcement of the angels to the shepherds first? Any any insights on that? Well, um, I'm not sure what you're getting at. Well, Steve Ray had an interesting comment. Oh, on well, that I'd when he was much here. rather hear what Steve Ray said about so it. So Steve Ray says that the shepherds are always the first to know when a new lamb is born. <gasps> I like that. Isn't that nice? I like that. The Lamb of God, born in the house of bread. Bethlehem means house. Of bread. Laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough. Feeding trough. Wow, I I like that. And shepherds are always the first to know when a newborn newborn lamb comes into being. I did not know that, but I like that. Yeah. That's good. He's got an answer for everything. Steve Ray's good. We had him here in 2017. Ooh, it was a while ago. 18? Yeah, yeah. He is so on fire for the faith. So zealous. Has great pilgrimages to the Holy Land a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how many times he's been to the Holy Land. Dozens, if not hundreds. It's hard to remember when we've done all of our evangelization conferences exactly what year. I we, We've got them written, written down. We just mm-hmm. haven't memorized them. Mm-hmm. But Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up about remembering what we've done because in 2023 now, this will be our 10th anniversary. So 10 years is kind of a... A time when you sit back and go, well, where has God brought us in these past 10 years? And conferences were certainly part of that. Didn't think it was going to go quite like this. He uh, writes, how does he say, straight lines with crooked figures? Or something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
But, you know, this is the time of year we hear a lot of people giving their lists of top whatever for the past year or goals for the next year. So it is kind of a natural time to reflect. Resolutions, commitments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look back, look forward, see what God has done, and maybe ask what he wants to do. And are we willing, will we say yes Mm. to what he wants to do? You know, speaking of that, as we uh, should old acquaintance be for God, we we sing that, we're in the shadow of that. Mm -hmm. This is hard for me. I'm never good at this, but uh, we need to remember a good man, Jim Carroll. Mm. Yes. Jim Carroll was a friend of Aquinas Communications. He helped on many Mm -hmm. committees and the board of directors, and he died Mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Mm -hmm. probably alone. Mm -hmm. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord. And let perpetual light shine upon him. May his soul and all the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. We love you, Jim Carroll. Hope you're making your way toward God. You know, I have to share this little memory. Before Jim joined our board, and I really didn't, you know, know him at all, I would go into the chapel, and he would be sitting in the Power Prayer Adoration Chapel, and as he was praying, he was making, I I believe they were, if they were not rope rosaries, they were rope chaplets. Mm -hmm. But he he would make those while he sat in there and prayed as he made them. And I always thought, who is this guy who is making these rope rosaries and praying while doing it? I just mm-hmm. thought that was fantastic. Yeah, he had a great spiritual life, and we miss him already. Mm-hmm. We do. Doing we miss that. him, so our condolences to the family. It's a tough time of the year to lose someone the holidays. Never an easy time. Never an easy time. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are tough. Yeah, so we will miss Jim and all that he contributed to the station. And don't forget the epiphany. We talked about that, and Easter and all the movable dates. Speaking of dates that are moving, what are you thinking for consecration to our our uh, blessed Lord by way of his mother Mary? Did I take the dates? Yeah. Um, well, we looked through the booklet, and we were thinking about you know the consecration and how how many people have done it and enjoyed it and. We thought, at first we thought, well, let's just do them, you know, a couple times a year, maybe three, four times a year, maybe to coincide with the bellowing ox issue. But then we thought, why not just do almost a continual consecration so people can pop in anytime and start it? And so in the book that we have available, if people want to get the book, just let us know. But there's a list of the calendar of feast days and when you would start different consecrations depending upon the day that it finishes, um, which title of Our Lady. And they probably list, I don't know, 15 different start and stop dates. Right. But we have chosen a total of eight. And the reason we chose only eight was we didn't want to overlap because each of these start dates for the the, uh, consecration, Colleen, begin Mm -hmm. 33 days before a major Marian feast day. Mm -hmm. That's right. And there are 15 or 16 of them, Mm -hmm. and some of them would overlap. They would begin before the last one ended. Ended, that's correct. that could be 
That could be confusing if you turn on to listen to the consecration, because we air it at the same time, right? Correct, and there's a different consecration prayer each day, Yes. each of the 33 days. Different prayers, different readings. So we've selected eight of them. So in theory, that means now in the year 2023, um, well, actually, we're already doing one, aren't we? Well, we started New Year's Eve, didn't we? We did. With the presentation of our Lord to conclude on February 2nd. That's right. So therefore, we're going to be doing seven consecrations. And the next one will start on February 20th. Mm-hmm. And then the next one and end on March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation. And then, so that one will end March 25th. The next one will start April 10th. Which is Our Lady of Fatima concluding on May 13th. May 13th. And then the next one will start on May 25th and end on June 27th. Yes. Feast of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And then the next one will start on July 13th to end on the Feast of the Assumption. Big, big, big Marian feast, August 15th. June, yeah. All right, right, right. Because that's the Our Lady of Perpetual Help ends in June 27. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we'll continue on that way so that there will be a little break between each consecration. Now, this is going to beg the question. People are saying, hey, I did the consecration. Why are we doing it again, Colleen? Yep, and that's a great question. And so do you have to do each consecration? Well, no, you don't have to do each consecration. But what I would suggest is you you make one a year. I would suggest every year you do the consecration. And you can either select um, your favorite Marian feast day and do that one. Or you can choose another reason that you might pick one that is right around your birthday, your anniversary. But pick one and do that every year. We're going to take a break and answer the question, do I do just one a year or can I do more than one a year? Yes. You're listening to The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back. This is The Chatter. Listen to us on the KCRD mobile app, keyword KCRD, and you can hear 71 episodes now. Yeah, and a lot of singing. I think those are on there, too. Yeah, they sure are. Songs. We'll have to bring them back. I better put the reservations in for Lent with Ash Wednesday starting, what did you say, February 25th? 22nd. 22nd. So we'll ask for some Lenten songs and some Easter songs and maybe even some Pentecost songs. That gives them plenty of time. We do a fair amount of preparation for the chatter, but remember it is recorded while we're going live and we send it back to the booth. We we, uh, forgot we started the consecration on New Year's Eve of 2022, Colleen. So we're already in a con. That that changed the, uh, the metric for. Marian consecrations. It did, you know, and that was my fault. I looked at the top one of the year, and I didn't realize we were already in one. I forgot. So the way the consecrations will happen, for real, for sure, 100%. Yeah, this is called a recount if you're (laughs) voting. This is a recount. In 2023, the first one will begin on February 20th. Now, we're in one right now. Ending on February 2nd. So we are in one right now. But then the next one will begin February 20th Mm -hmm. and end on the Annunciation March 25th. 
Then after that, we'll begin one on April 10th to end on May 13th. That's Our Lady of Fatima. Very good. And then we'll begin one on May 25th to end on June 27th. Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Yep. And then we'll start one July 13th to end on August 15th. Our Lady of Mont Carmel is at the scapular. August 15th is the Assumption. You have, we're looking at the other line, I think. Oh. Um, so we'll end August 15th. The Assumption, yes. Mm-hmm. And then the next one will begin September 4th and end on October 7th. Mm-hmm. Our Lady the Rosary. Got that. Then the next one will begin October 19th and end on November 21st. The presentation of mm-hmm. the Blessed Virgin. Mm-hmm. And then the last one in 2023 will begin on November 29th and end on January 1st. Feast of Mary, Mother of God. So well, that's after seven... three edits, we got it right. <laughs> so that's seven times in 2023 we will be doing the consecration. So um, think about if you want to do it, renew your consecration once a year. If you have a couple special feasts and you want to do it a couple times, you could do it every time if you're really holy. Right, right. Yeah. So it's like any prayer, the rosary, the mass, Mm -hmm. the Our Father, morning prayer, evening prayer. You can can pray the consecration to Jesus through Mary Mm -hmm. by St. Louis de Montfort. Mm -hmm. By the way, we still have books available. They continue to trickle out in ones and twos. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll have Chris Ehlers put this on our website. This is going to go on the website. It will be in the Bellowing Ox. Next issue is March. Very good. And and maybe what people want to do, parents or grandparents, if if you're someone's expecting a baby, you might want to look and do a consecration leading up to that baby's birth. Um, you know, a lot of times in the past, people would baptize their baby and consecrate their baby to Our Lady at the same time. Nice. So maybe a parent or grandparent um, might want to do a consecration on behalf of a baby that is going to be born right around that time. You never stop being a parent or a grandparent. That's right. And we want those babies baptized, and we want those babies consecrated to Our Lady. Well, speaking of babies, in addition to the beautiful leatherite-bound consecration books, mm-hmm. Blythe Marie Kaufman, our good friend over at the Children's Rosary, uh, has sent in several boxes of the child consecration to Jesus through Mary. Now this follows the spirit of St. Therese, the little flower. The consecration dates are the same, and there are prayers from St. Louis de Montfort in here. But this book is not 200 pages, it's about 70 or 80 pages that Blythe had put together. There are 33 days of consecration in here. This is very good for Children, this would be grade school, mm-hmm. maybe middle school, mm-hmm. yep. junior high. And you know, um, one of the things that I we do want to point out is the child consecration is not as intense with the readings in the scripture that the adult version is. Exactly. It's maybe a paragraph. It is. And right? then Our Father, Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. It's a simplified, simplified version, but it's a way to get children thinking about consecration and Mary and God and all that stuff in a nice, simple way. So maybe if you've never done the, the big Louis de Montfort consecration and you've got a child or grandchild or children and grandchildren, 
you might want to get the child consecration book and do it with them that way. Teach them how to do that. Teach them how to do it. Now, i got to share a story from Mm -hmm. a listener on the consecration talking about how often to do this and what's Mm -hmm. going on. I didn't think, I guess I knew this or didn't think about it. I was, was I unconscious? I think so. Eggnog, too much eggnog. Too much eggnog, more nog than egg. (laughs) Uh, the, The point here, how many parents have you heard say, I just don't know where to turn and what to do with all of the things that are going on in the news and then in the media and with cell phones and my children are just exposed and the world is a crazy, crazy place. And he says to me, isn't this a bonus of the consecration. The consecration seems to take my family out of the cross hairs, the cross fire of the of the world, and I'm consecrating. I, I'm seeing to remove my family, my wife, away from what's going on. Is that beautiful or what? Yeah, I just got goosebumps when you were saying that. That really is beautiful. And the fact that a man said it, you know, it's their job to provide and protect. So that man is spiritually protecting his family from all the evils that are swirling around us in this world. So that is beautiful. Yeah, this is just not something we're doing because we like to, well, we do like to do it. But this this has real world, real time implications it is efficacious in what is going on Mm -hmm. at this time and in this place real-time real-world implications and eternal consequences eternal consequences and uh and speaking of eternal consequences this might be old news to everybody and i'm sure it is but we weren't recording the chatter when pope emeritus benedict passed away so we've not ever said anything about that so do you want to say anything about that joseph rodsinger I, I had many conversations with friends, so he would have died New Year's Eve, is that mm-hmm. right? On the 31st, yeah. So if you want to bury a story, you do it on a weekend, mm-hmm. and if you, if you, or on a holiday, and when the holiday is on a weekend, this story gets buried. The, uh, one of the nicest popes we've ever had. Pope. Mm. I had a few conversations. He was in the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, is that right, under John Paul, the St. John Paul II. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you remember what they called him? Yeah, they called him the um, German Shepherd, and they called him the... No, um, no, no, the Rottweiler. The the, Rot- remember that? Yeah, the Rottweiler, yeah. Yeah, German Shepherd's close, but <laughs> yeah. if I had to choose, I'd take... Rottweiler. Yeah. Yeah. He was supposed to be this... Horrible, horrible dictator, mm-hmm. uh, and and he became he tried to retire more than once. He did, and as I understand it, John Paul II ignored or refused his request. Mm-hmm. He eventually became pope. Wrote beautiful books, mm-hmm. Jesus of Nazareth, volumes one and two, and he, one of the most intellectual popes we've ever had mm-hmm. and his papacy is there's no evidence of a rottweiler in there at all no and i think that was spin from the liberal side of the church and the media that wanted everybody to be afraid of someone that might actually hold the line on doctrine 
Yes. You know, and and he was so gentle. Did you read any of his books? I, I, well, you know, you pull any book off my bookshelf and there's a bookmark in it because I start a lot, but I don't finish a lot. So parts of his books I have They're read. They're reference books, aren't they? Well, let's yeah, go to I'm this chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, I can appreciate that because if you read his, at least for me, I could only take a couple of pages at a time because mm-hmm. he was such a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. And you would read it and there was so much insight and nuance and... He really changed my life and the, the outlooks, how, how he could go into Scripture and unpack it. And you're thinking, I've read that Scripture a bunch of times, and I've never thought about it that way. Hmm. The book that I first um, knew, came to be aware of him, was The Ratzinger Report. And that was written when he was still the prefect, so that was written probably around 2000, maybe. I don't know that uh, one, do I? Um, the Ratzinger Report, um, I'm going to guess... 2000. I know it was before he became Pope in 2005. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think it's a Q&A kind of um, book. Um, but one of the things that he said in that book was what I remember the most. And it was really kind of a new idea for me at the time. And I thought it was kind of fascinating. He was talking about the way the priest faces during Mass. Now, this was before there was a push really for the Latin Mass or anything like that. Sure. He was talking about the liturgy and the posture of the priest during Mass. And he says in the Ratzinger Report that when the priest faces the people, you make this circle, right? You form a circle where there's a back and forth. And and so he just, you know, you kind of had this picture of just a spinning circle of uh, that was like how your prayer went, just kind of back and forth in a circle. And he said, when the priest faces God, the prayer shoots up and toward the Lord. He said but, this. Yeah, and and when first time I read that, I thought, oh, I have never thought about that before. But I've thought about that a lot since then. And I don't think he was pushing the Latin Mass per se. I think he was just talking about the liturgy. And I think also in that book is when he said, when clapping happens during the liturgy, it has ceased to be liturgy. It's become a performance. So he he could see some of these things that were happening. Um, And so I often think about that visual of the prayer going from the people through the priest to the Lord um, in an ascendant kind of way. Sure. Versus just an internal circle. Well, it is how we pray, is, is how we worship, is how we live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he, he, of course, did have a big impact on the Latin Mass and his um, sorsum. Oh, now I'm blanking on the name. Now I had it until you said I it. I know, sorsum. Pontific. Pont- Something like that. Yes. Anyway, he allowed for, he didn't allow for, he acknowledged that the Latin Mass had never been abrogated and could never be abrogated. You can always say the Latin Mass, and priests do not need the permission of their bishops. Never did. No. So after he came out with that, um, you did see a lot more Latin Masses happening. Um, so that was, so he did that service to the church. Well, this will air after the Epiphany, which will be the first weekend in in January. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're at a disadvantage because mm-hmm. his death was just announced three days before we're speaking of this right now. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how he is 
is remembered by the greater church, by his his contemporaries, the uh, College of Cardinals. Yeah, and you know, there's been this tendency to uh, canonize all the most recent popes. Yes, the Vatican II popes, John the Twenty Third, Paul the Sixth. There's lots of yeah. John the Twenty. In a way that they or, hadn't. Uh, John be, Paul. John Paul. Um, I think they're working on John Paul One right now. So there's been a tendency to auto, almost automatically canonize the past so many popes, right? Mm-hmm. Which was not the case before this. Was not the no, case. There were some instances hundreds of years before. Mm-hmm. Well, the first Hood ones. Was, yeah, the first ones, of course, were martyred, so right, they kind of they, automatically get in. But, but um, so it wasn't a very good job for a few centuries. That's right. Was it the yeah. first thirty-eight or nine. Yeah. Popes all were martyred. Yeah, gave their life. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Benedict. Because on the one hand, if they don't canonize him, well, that'll say something. Um, Because, you know, uh, Francis and the current Vatican crowd um, really is not on the same page with the teaching of Benedict, who upheld traditional church teaching. And remember, Benedict used to talk about that continuity hermeneutic of continuity yes and i think that this new crowd has flat out said there is no um hermeneutic of continuity and no it's not this is a this is a new springtime it's a new start do you think that's really i mean i'm not disputing your observation on that point but is that really what's being said or is this media control spin or i mean is there certainly is enough ambiguity Mm -hmm. on these points that's what's true. being taught? What's being? What's being? That's true. Everything's spun, whether it's spun by the Vatican or the media or whoever it is. But if they do canonize him, you know, and he did allow for greater use or greater, um, you know, the Latin Mass to be celebrated a greater. So if they if they canonize that in a way, they're canonizing that idea of more Latin Mass, and we know what they're really doing is suppressing Latin Mass. So. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Benedict after he passes. Of course, today is January 2nd, and I think he lies in state today from the 2nd and then buried on the 5th. Just three days lying in state? It seems like the pontiffs have been. Of course, we're in uncharted territory. We're in uncharted. He's he's the pontiff, but pontiff emeritus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there really is no protocol for a, a pope... You know, because where does the current pope sit in the seating chart when the seating chart was right. the dead pope? How many times in history has a pope presided at a papal funeral? Well, that goes back to the first pope that, uh, Celestus, was it, that that retired, yeah, six, resigned? 600 years ago. I don't know what they did then. So I don't know what, what happened there. It's an unusual circumstance. So we'll we'll see what happens. But, of course, it is world news and... And we do, um, we do ask God's mercy on his soul. I forget which podcast I was listening to, but I thought it was very well done as far as a balanced um, reflection on Benedict, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And and I would hope that I would hope that that happens at my funeral, the good and the bad, right? Because when you know you hate to you hate to go to funerals where they say, well, they're already in heaven, and then nobody prays for them. And I think it's more honest to say. You know, these were things that he did that were really good and brought people in, and, and yet we all have human failings and weaknesses, and so God do not hold 
those sins against him that he committed out of human weakness. Well, if you hear some of these funerals, you'd swear no one's in purgatory nor hell. They're they're all canonized mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more honest to just acknowledge the good and the human failings, and that's why we're going to pray for them. And may he be in paradise um, soon, if not already. Before the devil knows he's dead. Is yeah. that the Irish blessing? That is those Irish. They have a way, don't they? <laughs> they do indeed. You're listening to The Chatter. This is episode 71, the first recording in the year of our Lord, 2023, Colleen. And mm-hmm. we're, we're um, just two days into the New Year's. We will uh, air this on the, on the uh, second weekend in January. And we'll have segment three of The Chatter coming up right after these announcements. Hey, we are back. We're in the KCRD studio. Did we officially name this after uh, Archbishop James Byrne when we got that beautiful photo of his? You know, I don't think we officially did it, but you've got his picture up there. Nice guy. Even if he did slap me in the face. That's what everyone remembers about confirmation. That's all I remember, too. He took the glove off when he did me. (laughs) Well, you probably deserved it. (laughs) All right, we are back, and we are talking about... we got some stuff we got to get into 18 minutes here, Colleen. Let's talk the chatter, or the uh, ox on the chatter. Yeah, the bellowing ox. I, I hope everyone has gotten their last issue of the bellowing ox, all 28 pages of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we had a little trouble with the mailing. Like, we had it to the printer, and then they... Printer the mailer said Well, on there it. was something that came up. It was called... Christmas, and everybody <laughs> and their brother was mailing, yeah. and getting it printed was, by the way, we got a, the folks doing the printing, Mary LaFoe and her team, and then uh, Dave and Lori over at the mail house really pulled it off, but uh, boy, it was a busy time of the year. And it was a busy it. time, so I hope by now everyone has gotten it. And if and you don't have one, oh, call 563-231-3545, mm-hmm. leave a voicemail. With your name and address. Or if you haven't gotten one, or if you want more copies to send to people, I was just at the Power Prayer this morning, and I think there's some copies on the table right inside the door. Well, right? there's a lot of people calling up saying they want a half dozen to give to friends, family, or take over to their parish, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we're happy to accommodate that. We're printing mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. they're coming up. But you got some feedback on the birth of our Lord according to the flesh out of the Golden Legend book. Yeah, so that was the co- one of the two cover stories, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it, um, you know, page one continues on page fourteen and fifteen and sixteen, and and uh, it's we, taken we, from the Golden Legend. Right, it's about three thousand words, which is three times what we normally print on any given article. But what would you have edited out of the story? I know. I know. So someone said to me about the uh, part on page 14 about the midwives that assisted Our Lady. And they said, I've never heard that before. And I thought, well, I haven't either. But the Golden Legend, you know, this story is from the Golden Legend. And the Golden Legend is a very old book of stories about the saints. Now, is it part conjecture, part truth? Probably. Well, it's real. Real. We should say what it is, and rather than what it isn't, it's oral tradition. Oral tradition, 
And, and sometimes, and I think this is okay, sometimes oral tradition, some um, sentiment got in there along with the fact. Sure. Right? And I think, you know, we haven't maybe heard this about the midwives, but that's a great thing to think about, right? Sure. I mean, Mary was a woman, right? And women, when they were about to give birth, wouldn't you call for the midwife? Mm-hmm. So I think anything that helps inspire our devotion or to use our imagination on how things really might have happened because Mary was a real woman and Christ was her son. Um, when we use our imagination, I, I think those golden legends are fine to increase our devotion. Well, let, let's read a bit about this. This is on page 14, but I think this emphasizes what you're talking about. There's, the story talks about the proofs for the birth of Christ. And... This paragraph begins, there's a fourth proof for Bartholomew, quoting Bartholomew, apparently borrowing from the book of the infancy of the Savior. So these aren't canonical books, but these are books that were written, stories of that time. The book of the infancy of the Savior has it that when the hour came for Mary to be delivered, Joseph, this is St. Joseph, called two midwives, the one being called Zebel and the other Salome, not that Joseph doubted that the virgin would bring forth the Son of God, but he was following the custom of the country. So this is much like the presentation in the temple. The, mm-hmm. You know, the Lord didn't need to be, he is God, mm-hmm. didn't need to be. But this shows that the Holy Family, of which we're in the shadow of the Feast of the Holy Family, mm-hmm that Joseph and Mary followed the prescriptions of the law of their faith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we may not have heard this anywhere else, which is part of the reason why the bellowing ox exists, is to tell the rest of the story, isn't it, Colleen? Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I, I think anything that we can do to foster a greater love and devotion um, is a good thing. I mean, we don't want to send people down rabbit holes of, you know, false stuff. And there is right. a reason that there's a canon of approved books. You know, we don't have the Gospel of Thomas in Scripture because mm-hmm. it's not um, approved by the early church fathers. Correct. Right? We don't want to send down people down a wrong, a wrong rabbit hole. But I think the Golden Legend can pull out some things that are good for our spiritual imagination to think about. Our spirit, some spiritual considerations. And so, of course, a husband is going to call for midwives to help his wife with the birth. Why would he think the birth would occur any other way? Right. Right? Just like they went to Bethlehem because of the census. Okay, well, we've got to do that. But this is a proof that she's a virgin um, because he gives five proofs in this article. Um, it says um, the fact remains that she remained a virgin is assured by five Proofs, And this was the fourth proof because the one um, midwife then realized that Mary was a virgin and she cried out that a virgin had given birth. And if you follow the story then, the golden legend, this book, which is stories not solely related to the virgin birth, it's Mm -hmm. several hundred pages, Mm -hmm. but this one article talks about that. And think about what is under attack in our faith. Marriage the, and the family? The, well, marriage and the family, but the virginity of, of, mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. 
the perpetual virginity of Mary before, during, Which during, is, yes. and after the birth. Correct. Mm-hmm. And the two midwives give testimony to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is the fourth proof. Yes. Yeah, so that was, so people are getting the bellowing ox and they are reading it. So so that's, uh, I did want to mention that. And then also toward the back of the bellowing ox, we've got an, an advertisement for the next conference that's coming up in March. Yeah, I guess we got to go to work, start planning, the, well, continue the planning. We've already booked Terry Barber and Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse show for Wednesday. March 15th at the Grand River Center. It's been some months since we talked to him. It was before the holiday. And uh, this ought to be big. This that ought to be big. be big. One of the uh, the next big event in the evangelization conference schedule of Aquinas Communications. Wednesday, March 15th, Grand River Center. And of all the comments I hear from people, it's they love the Terry and Jesse show. It seems to be the most commonly um, mentioned show yeah. of a favorite. yeah. So that's, they do a good job. They do a good job, and it's just clear, pure Catholic t- church teaching, and um, I, we love the way that they they talk about it. And so explain. reservations will be going up on the website soon. We'll have a registration page, and I'm going to encourage everybody to bring a friend, bring a buddy, bring someone who is, you know, these are evangelization conferences. The most effective way to evangelize is person to person. Mm-hmm. So we can mm-hmm. we can have a radio station, we can have a newsletter, we can have conferences, mm-hmm. and the rosary rallies. But it's really up to Team Aquinas, everybody out here listening, because you get to your immediate judgment, and the Lord's going to say, "Who did you bring with you?" Yeah. So this is a larger Team Aquinas because everyone listening is on the team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The other thing I wanted to mention about page 25 in The Bellowing Ox is there's a little book review of uh, Calming the Storm. What would you think of that? You know, okay, I have. All right, <laughs> Did we say it's earlier? On, it's, it's on, on my shelf, bookshelf with a sticky with a, on it. With a sticky on it. Okay. Um, no, but it's uh, Calming the Storm is a fairly new book written by Father Gerald Murray from the EWTN Papal Posse. And Diane Montagna. We love her. So it's a Q&A kind of book she does great q a books she does we really like her but anyway uh i wanted to let people know that um one of our board members read this book thought it was so fantastic that he bought a case a box big box john minster bought a box and he wanted us to send them out um and so i've gotten a couple calls saying why did i get a book and the <laughs> really the, re- <laughs> the reason the reason there wasn't a note in there is because we sent them all media mail because it's so much cheaper and you cannot have any notes in that. No, you just it's got to be media only. Yep. So we sent some of these books out to some of our um, good regular donors um, and supporters. So that's why some of you got a book. If you're wondering why you got a mm-hmm. book, but then of course Vince Mice, who is the smartest guy in Dubuque. Yeah. He calls and he says, why did I get this book? And then he said, you know, there's a study guide that goes with it. Leave it leave it to Professor Mice. And I said, I had no idea. Well, how am I going to read this book without the study guide? I had so, no idea. I don't know, because it's Q&A. So those are usually pretty readable. But you know what? I'm going to order the study guide um, because our book club might do this book next. So um, I am looking forward. We have forward. a few of the books left if you're looking for one. Mm-hmm. 
We sent them out to mostly good people, few scoundrels in the uh, in, in the mailing, but mostly. Good. But it's a timely book because it's called "Calming the Storm: Navigating the Crisis Facing the Catholic Church and Society." So, in case you haven't noticed, there's a crisis going on. So here, this is going to go in the next issue of the Ox, but I got to talk about this. So, we've uh, a, a listener comes in and says, "I've gone through RCIA, and I go to mass, and before the gospel." People are grabbing their forehead and their lips and their hearts. What's going on with that? I don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on? Well, sure. You know what's going on. You tell our listeners. This is this is difficult. So before the gospel, the faithful rise and remain standing during the gospel. At the beginning, they make the sign of the cross, or what we what I called as a little kid, the small sign of the cross on the forehead, the lips, and the heart to declare, and this is important, this is what's been lost in generations, to declare that they will never be ashamed of the word of God, that's on the forehead, that they are ready to confess the word of God by mouth, that's on the lips, and that they will love the word of God with all their heart. Mm, That's beautiful. So, Evidently, they don't teach that in RCIA. Well, and, and in all honesty, you do see some people, it looks like they're just slapping their head or they're waving their hand. or It's like you, you can't even tell that they're making a sign of the cross. Yes. So that maybe they have a point there. But um, yeah, the prayer I always say is, may the Lord be in my mind and on my lips and in my heart. That's exactly it. Yeah. That they, but I love the way this is phrased, that they will not be ashamed of the word of God, that they are ready to confess the word of God and that they will love the word of God with with all their heart. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. And maybe that's something we can all do a little um, examination and say, do I do I say that when I make the... And am I making the sign of the cross? And or am we, I just kind of waving a fly away? And are we doing it reverently? Reverently. And with, with meditation, with premeditation. That men, yep, that mental prayer of what we're saying. Yeah, that's... Now here's something further. Uh, what does the priest and deacon do when, when they read it? So with, when they read from the book of mm-hmm, Gospels, mm-hmm. With, with the thumb of the right hand, the priest or the deacon makes the sign of the cross on the Gospel that he is to read, and then on the forehead and the mouth of the breast, uh, saying at a, um, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to one of the four evangelists, and then, of course, we respond. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what the priest is doing there. And so he's, he's essentially blessing himself after he receives the blessing from the book of the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And we had a priest in North Carolina. After he finished reading the Gospel, he would kiss the Gospel. Sure, sure. I know. Do you that. see... Priest do that? I don't see I do. a lot of priests. Yeah, do I do. I, I see it more frequently. Yeah. Which I'm happy to say there's increased reverence in our liturgies. Yeah, but isn't that beautiful? The Word of God, to kiss the Word of God. Sure. All right, another letter. Don't know where to go with this one here. So we got a letter from a, a listener who says, I was listening to the radio station and I can't find anything more about this. Can you help me find out more? About the infinite frog. <laughs> the infinite frog. So, <laughs> and he's telling us that he's been listening, and we approximated 
he was listening to the infinite frog <laughs> okay you're springing uh, this one on me and i'm just trying to keep from laughing well what is he so were about? so were we laughing <laughs> so were we laughing as we we checked the program logs mm-hmm. we checked the time we checked the date this poor soul was listening to a show about the infant of Prague. <laughs> he thought it was what? The infinite frog. <laughs> Maybe we need to work on our pronunciation a little more. <laughs> this is what happens when you listen, listen <laughs> in traffic. So we... <laughs> we are going to put an article in the Bellowing Ox about the infant of Prague. You know, sometimes things that you think you hear are funnier than the things that are actually yes, said. Yes, it's going to go right next to the article about Mary full of grapes. <laughs> that is another one that I've heard before. Yep. Ellen Markham has two grand, well, she has more than two grandkids, but her oldest two grandkids, the first one's Grace, mm-hmm. and the second one was Sam. And so as their mother, Dawn, was teaching them to pray and, and teaching them the Hail Mary, when she would say, Hail Mary, full of grace, and Sam said, no, Hail Mary, full of Sammy. <laughs> so he thought, why does Mary get to be full of my sister? No, <laughs> Hail Mary, full of Sammy. <laughs> I thought that was cute, too. Oh, my goodness. I bet parents would have a lot of funny things that their kids have said. When it comes to the prayers and the faith. Well, at least we know they're listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one final thing that we're going to put in the bell, this upcoming bellowing ox. What's Not in? the current issue you have in your homes right now, but the next one, which will come out in March. Is that when it comes out? We hope it to be in your mailbox by March 1st. That's always... So we're doing quarterly, but not calendar quarters. We're mm-hmm. doing... Not unlike how you said, the church chooses Easter based on the vernal equinox. Mm-hmm. We're printing on the vernal equinox, the summer solstice, mm-hmm. the autumnal equinox. Kind of related to the ember days, yep. Exactly. Yep. So the next bellowing What's ox going that comes out in March. Do I know about this? You do. You do. We are going to have um, an article about making a spiritual will. Oh. I don't know if we have enough time to talk about this. We we can go long. Go. Okay. So a spiritual will is going to be in the next bellowing ox, and here's why. You know, people make out their human wills, right? What do you want to leave, your material possessions. And people sometimes have a health care will of decisions, medical decisions to make. But the most important thing is to have a spiritual will. So when you pass away, your wishes are followed. Um, a lot of people, their kids don't go to church anymore. And so a lot of faith-filled people that are daily mass, daily rosary kind of people are not even getting a funeral mass. This is sad. It's horrible. It's horrible. Um, And so we are going to put in a spiritual will. So people start thinking about what you want your wake and funeral to look like, where you want it, what you want to have happen. Um, Yeah, is it going to be at the funeral home, at the church? Are you going to have the rosary? What's the visitation look like? Exactly. Are we going to have a funeral? I I can't believe the number of people that are being buried without a a, um, funeral mass. A funeral mass mass for the Are you going to be interred? Are you going to be cremated? Right. Um, If you're going to be cremated, you know, the church teaches you have to bury those cremains in sacred ground. You cannot divvy them up among your family and have them sitting on a mantle somewhere. Or thrown off the Rocky Mountain High. 
Right. So anyway, so in the next issue of The Bellowing Ox, you will see more about spiritual will. So right. kind of, I, I just want to get you thinking now. And it's going to include something I believe is very important, which are the Gregorian Masses, which are 30, 30 days of consecutive Masses for the intention of the repose of that soul, mm-hmm. which can be for someone else or for yourself. You can get them in advance, and I'm going to do that. Yes. You can. Although I want two weeks' notice before you <laughs> die. So anyway, yeah, and that's a whole other topic we can talk about. Well, but we've, we've gone, gone really we've long. We've gone long. I know. Tune in. Well, let's talk about this more next week. Sounds good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be. To the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Episode 71 of The Chatter has come to a conclusion. I'm Tom Oglesby. I'm Colleen Pasnick. Tune in next week. We love you. <laughs>